Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, five wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University. But you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Hi, Susan. Are you there? It looks like your phone call has been put through. But I'm not hearing you. Um, let's see what we're going to do here. Um, there are a couple more 845 numbers on here, so I'm just going to check in. Is... I'm not Susan, sorry. Okay, let's go to the next one. Um, Okay, sorry about this, everyone. It looks like 
Susan's call just dropped, and she is going to call back in here in just a moment. Um, thank you for being patient and hanging in there with us. I'm not sure what's going on. Was this the number I just checked in with? Hello? Oh, sorry about that here. <laughs> Let's see. All right, Susan, where did you go? All right, here is another 845. Is this you, Susan? Rebecca, Rebecca, I'm not an 845. Come on. Or maybe it is. I don't know. It's my cell phone. Can you find me? Hi. Yep, you're right here. I got you. Can you find me? You got me? Yep. Gotcha. (laughs) Okay. Thank goodness. Yay. Um, Yay. (laughs) Did you call in from your home number? No, I'm not at home. I'm in Seattle. Oh, that's so funny. Somebody called in from your home number, so it really threw me off. And I was like, I thought you were in Seattle, so <laughs> sorry about I am. that. That's okay. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, no, we're on track as now. Matter, as a matter of fact, we are enjoying sunny Seattle. Mm-hmm. As you recall, oh, nice. last Tuesday in Seattle, it was sunny, and we are the green goddesses and I are sitting out in the sun. Want to say hi to everybody? Wow, it sounds like there's so many women there. How many women you got with you? We well, as Eagle Song said, the most ever for the Green Goddess Week. And we went out for a walk today to see some giant trees. We saw a really big madrone tree and we saw some pretty darn big dug firs. And then um Eagle Song and I went for a walk along the beach. We're right right on the Salish Sea. And we found a tree that had fallen down, which was about twice as big as any of the trees we saw today. And we could mm. see why it had fallen down, too, because it was from this really steep cliff down into the, the sea. Um, just marvelous. I walked along the beach there and picked up uh, ritual objects for tomorrow's ritual and green witch initiations. Ooh, sounds very cool. Yeah, it's so so wonderful to be here. We feel so welcomed by the spirit of the land. We went to a a fairy glen and we harvested uh, hawthorn berries and blackberries and chickweed and stinging nettle and uh, uh, just such mm. abundance. Just mm-hmm. wonderful. How is, how how are things by you? Things are good here. Yeah, it's sunny and it's cooled down quite a bit. And this is actually my favorite time of year, just with all the good food and all the rich flavors. And I love it. And we're actually getting ready to move. That's by the end of the month. We got a some assistance in uh, getting a, a house. And so we are moving um, just about a mile away from where we're living right now. But that's kind of like uprooting our life a little bit at the moment. So... Oh, but it's exciting. You know, whether whether you're moving next door or across the country, you still have to pack it all up and move it. Yeah, yeah. So it's a big deal. Yeah, but it's a huge deal, especially with two children. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, I was having yeah. some like Not, serious like body pain and stuff, like just holding so much stress in my body with it. And uh, but now this week, I'm feeling I'm feeling better, and I'm back in the groove of getting stuff done so <laughs> all right 
is it a bigger house? Are you, can you move your garden there? Yeah, so that's one thing that I've been doing this week. I actually went out to um, getting the garden already, and I started moving some plants there. And um, it's a bigger house. We're going to do some long-term care. Um, when it, so it's interesting that the woman that's on tonight is talking about folks with disabilities, like children. We work with my husband works with folks like young adults have uh, disabilities, and we're going to do some long-term care of one of his clients that he's worked with before we even met. So. Um, yeah, we're going to have a bigger house to accommodate some needs of his needs, and um, we got some assistance to buy the house for for having doing that care with him. So it's a special situation. Yes, ten, tonight in an hour and a half, we're going to be talking to Eliza Factor, who is the author of novels, The Mercury Fountain, and Love Maps, and she's just written a new book called Strange Beauty. She was named New Yorker of the Week for creating the city's first drop-in sensory play space for children with disabilities. We'll be talking to her in an hour and a half, so hang in, and you can hear what Eliza has to share with us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to hear her interview. So, um, looks like we have quite a few people on the line tonight. I, was say, if I you bet have a, we have a lot of questions, and especially since you answered so many of them trying to find me, we should start answering okay. the questions, shall we? All right. All right. And I want to remind the people that have called in if they have a question for you to press one uh, to put your call in the queue. And the first caller is coming from the 703 area code. Hello, good evening. Um, yes, hi. Are you there in the 703? Yeah, can you hear me? I was wondering, I um, I have to switch phones to my cell phone. So I already called in on that other line. If I give you the first four or five digits, can you switch me? Yeah, I can do that. Okay, so it's 484-714. Uh, okay, I got it. Okay, great. Okay, great. <laughs> there you go. Can you hear me? Much better. Thank you. Oh, great. Wonderful. Well, I wanted to thank you so much, uh, Susan, first of all, and good evening. Um, <clears throat> and um, what I wanted to thank you for is I was having, I guess I still am having some kind of calcified massage. Have a high shoulder, and you had recommended um, some things. I don't even remember when. I'm, it was the summer for sure, but um, anyway, I'm sure I still have the calcification in the shoulder, but I've done as much as I can of what you said, and my shoulder is just so much better. Um, I still can't believe it because I know that the calcification, I can still feel it. But whatever, I'm just uh, I'm just so thankful for that. So you have some calcification in your shoulder. We talked about it what three weeks ago or so. Yeah, it must be at least because we were away for a couple of weeks and then yeah, I yes, um, yes so, three yeah. or four weeks. And during that month or so, you've been 
um, perhaps rubbing hypericum oil on it or taking hypericum tincture or drinking comfrey infusion. Right. And taking baths, um, you know, warm baths. Um, and just warm trying to relax bath. more. Yeah, because you talked about that and it just really spoke to me. And so, um, you know, on vacation I didn't have a bath available because the hotel only had showers. But at home before and since the vacation I... I take a bath every day now, and it's it's just amazing. And I, I'm just so grateful because, you know, I, I went to a chiropractor and a physical therapist, and they not only didn't, did they not help me, I actually feel that they made it worse. Like, once I stopped going to all of them, it's just <laughs> everything I was doing here seemed to be enough. So it's, like, miraculous because, I mean, I can't tell you how much pain I was in, like, I couldn't, you know, I was on the left shoulder. I couldn't even close my my car door with my left arm. I had to reach over with the right arm to close it. I mean, that's how much pain any kind of movement caused me. So I am just um, a big believer. I mean, I was before because obviously I know about you, but uh, this was just a big thing that I didn't know what to do. So I just, I cannot sing your praises. Are high well, enough, and the things, of course, that you teach us all. So th- I just th- really want thank to you, but thank you, but thank you, and sing your praises too, because you're the one who did it. My words are just words. You're the one who mm-hmm. put them into action, and it's that action, that self care, that has really helped you. And if you're not drinking comfrey infusion, this is a good time to start drinking comfrey infusion to strengthen the tendons and the ligaments in that area so that they can become more flexible and stronger and give you better range of motion. Don't drink it every yeah. day. I usually, yeah, I usually drink a, a quart of comfrey infusion every five days or so. Okay. Great. Yeah, and, yeah no, I do. I also, go ahead. Yeah. And um, uh, circumstances um, caused me to use my arm in a way that made my shoulder really cranky. There's no calcification there, but it was really cranky. And mm-hmm. I found that taking hypericum tincture uh, really helped to back off the pain on that. Wow. The, that's the tincture of St. John's Word or St. John's Word. Yeah. It's, it's so you might want to some of that on hand, too. Since yeah. Something like this, especially because you can still feel the calcification. It will go up and down. There will be days of more pain and days of less pain, so it's good to have some remedies on hand. Yeah, yeah, and I do, you know, I do the other infusions too, and um, I was going to ask you um, about nettle. Like, you know, it's very humid here. I live in Virginia, and um, it's very humid. And yesterday, and I mean, you know, I try now to switch through the infusions that you recommended me before, which is nettle and ultra. And Linden, I think, and um, Humphrey, of course. Well, yesterday I made nettle, and I, I, I left it outside on my kitchen counter, and it's, I did it for six hours, and usually I don't seem to have a problem. But was that the one that you mentioned that when you do it, you sometimes put it in the basement in the summer so that it doesn't get too warm? Or is it all of them? Any, any and all of them. If the air temperature is very warm... I will take down to my basement and put it on my concrete floor. And I will, I have to do that when I'm making infusion for a large group. 
So if I'm making two or three gallons of infusion in a large pot, then I really need to take it down into the basement, put it on that, you know, that um, concrete floor to draw Mm. the heat out of it so that it can brew without spoiling. Because the infusion herbs are very high in protein. And protein is food for everything, including bacteria. Do you think that it spoiled over the time that it sat there? Did it smell bad or taste funny? Well, it's just, yeah, that's the thing. It tastes kind of funny, like even after I put it in the fridge, like in a different way because, you know, I, I and I will tell you, I don't add anything like, you know, I don't I don't add mint or anything. Like I don't mind drinking it straight or, or meat or whatever, you know, the way it comes. Like, and it's never, ta- it's it just, I can't even really explain to you, but it almost felt yeah. like it was... Well, let me let me also ask you this: Where where did you get the nettle? Did you harvest it yourself? Did you buy it some from some place? No, if so, where did oh, you buy it I from? I, I, I wish I could harvest it. I actually got this one. I think it's Red Moon Herbs. Got um, it from Red, from Red Moon. Okay, and the reason I ask was that um, I have a chat group at Enchanted Forest, and we check in. Once a month, and I do an hour's chat about some particular theme. And there are regular yeah. women who come there, and one of them said that she had noticed that the nettle that she was getting from Mountain Rose um, didn't seem quite right. Sure. So I suggested that she return it with a note, you know, thanking them for the work they do, and that that nettle was, didn't seem right to her. Did they have any other no, nettle they could replace that with? Uh, yeah. So, so you know, it, the, the herbal sellers do a really good job of checking on quality, but we're all human and we can all let things slide by. Yeah. Right. So if you, you know, if you have a quantity of it and you don't think that it's quite right, the herb itself, yeah. Because certainly that that number of hours isn't a lot of number of hours when when we're putting it in the basement. Mm-hmm. You know, the apprentices are making it at ten o'clock in the morning and not straining it until nine or ten the next day. So it's sitting for almost twelve hours. Okay, yeah, that's the other thing I was going to ask you. If that was just too much, I mean, but I usually do. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think it is at all. Mm-hmm. So I think there okay. might, you know, there might be something off at the herb if you have a quantity of it. Just return it to the people that you got it from. You know, with kindness. They haven't done yeah, anything bad. Just somewhere yeah. along the line, somebody has slipped on quality control, and that's okay. And mm-hmm. I've done that myself. You know, I don't mm-hmm. have to do it a lot of the time, thank goodness, because the, the people who sell herbs in the United States are really all wonderful people. Yeah. But don't hesitate. If something doesn't seem right to you, to say, this isn't right, I want something better. Yeah, I think I'll try maybe one more time, and then if it happens again, then I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have better. And mean, meanwhile, of course, it makes wonderful plant food. Oh, even right. If, even if you don't want to drink it, give it your plants. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, because I do have some stuff I'm growing. Like I'm, I'm there trying to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. Right where where I was uh, last week. We were making nettle infusion. She knew I was coming, so she bought four ounces of nettle. So we had nettle every day, which did not bother either of us in the least. And um, I was taking the spent nettle. She had some blueberry bushes, and some of them didn't look like they were doing well. So I was putting the spent nettle around uh, the base of the of the blueberry bushes to help them 
to be better. Oh, the, the infusion and, and the herb out of the infusion are both really wonderful for your plants. Because oh, it sounds like wonderful. you may not have, you may not be able to have a compost pile. No, I, I wish we were in a townhouse and they, you know. That's what it sounds like. So it. just take just take that herb and give it to any plants that you're cultivating, or even yeah, my you know, if, I'm, if I'm in a really big city, I just put the herb in a plastic bag and then go down to the street. And there's always trees and plantings, and I just empty the herb out of the plastic bag and give it to the city trees. They appreciate it too. Oh, that is such a great idea, Susan. Oh, I'm so grateful. Yeah, you know, one of my Maori elders said, don't expect any herb that you throw in the trash to help you. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. <laughs> that's yeah, a good point. That's a very good point. Exactly. So uh, some little care uh, in, in what, what we're doing with that. Thank you so yeah, much for you your know, call tonight. Yeah, well, thank you. Green blessings to you. Green blessings. Day. Good night. Bye. All right. I have a quick question for you. So I have a Vitex bush that's probably like five years old that I put in the ground here. Do you think that I could dig that up and take it with me, or do you think it's better just to leave yes, it I here think, because it's... I, well, do you get to come back and harvest from it if you leave it there? I could. My Actually, one of my good friends is going to move into this house, and she'll live, she thinks she's going to live here for at least a couple of years. So then I Then I would probably leave it. Okay. If you, yeah. If you I don't want to risk it. You, you don't want to risk it. And you have so much else to move. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. The next one is coming right. from the 845 area code. Hi, Susan, my neighbor. How are you? I am fine. How are you tonight? I'm so happy to talk to you. I haven't talked to you in a while, and I haven't been able to listen, but I have to catch up. But, Susan, I was calling you to to tell you some wonderful story about a mushroom I made friends with. But, unfortunately, I might have to talk to you another time about that because I know you'd have great insight on that subject. But um, I, the last five days, I, and I do my herbal infusions, and I, I eat, I think, pretty much in accord. We've talked about it before. With sort of The only thing I've changed is I now cook my greens more, thanks to you. But I do my herbal infusions, and I'm usually very regular about going to the bathroom, and I'm noticing I, I'm going at the same time once a day in the morning, but I'm really, I mean, I, I don't want to say I'm constipated. I'm just straining, and I feel like I'm having trouble pooping for the last four or five days. So I'm wondering what I could add or if you have any thoughts. Um, it's really unnatural for me to be that way. I'm very active. I hear you. So what I hear you saying is you drink your infusions regularly. You eat a good, broad diet. Uh, yes. Mostly cooked, mostly cooked food. Um, yep. And you probably, do also, you probably do also eat some salad, I hope. I and do eat some salad. Maybe not enough, so I'm glad you, you just said that. Okay. Well, I will tell you truthfully, when I eat my meal, I will put my meal on my plate. And when my plate is empty, then I fill my plate with salad. Mm, good idea. Is that true? Right. I fill my plate with salad? Yeah, yeah. Yes, my, my plate is entirely full of salad. Not a little bit of salad on my plate with my other food, but I eat all of my food, and then I fill my plate with salad. Yep. 
and put some oil and some wonderful herbal vinegars in here. Oh, Eagle Song has provided such, she has hawthorn vinegar and aronia vinegar and parsley Yum. vinegar. Yes, and we, we stuff, I will forever cherish the memory of those women stuffing blackberries into the tiny little holes of the bottles that we had blackberry <laughs> <with> vinegar. <laughs> oh, what a are, great idea. Wiggling, the fingers are still stained, right? <laughs> uh, so you, when, when you eat more salads, you also get to eat more of your herbal vinegars. Okay. Right, and then and then Eagle Song has also been providing us with like uh, fermented beets and fermented carrots and cabbage, and I always put a little bit of that on the side of my salad, you know, when I'm having my salad, just that extra little bit of stuff. Right, I mean, you could almost just add oil and have that with it, and it flavors it. I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly, but you want to use those herbal vinegars. Make those herbal vinegars and use those herbal vinegars. They're wonderful sources of minerals. Thank you as for well as, reminding me of that. I, yeah. I, I forgot all about that. Is there anything else? I'd and this is a, this is a great time of the year too, because you know we want it to last forever, but we know what's coming. It's called winter. <laughs> as a matter of fact, equinox is just around the corner, right? Equal day, equal night, and then after that, we just can't deny it anymore. The night is longer than the day. This is the time to get out there and cut back the rosemary and cut back the sage and cut back the thyme. Cut back all those aromatic herbs and make vinegars and honeys of them. The vinegars for that wonderful nourishing mineral content that you can have. You can use vinegars on your salads, vinegars on your beans. They actually make really good deodorants. As well, just splash them under your arms. And honeys mm-hmm. of all of those aromatic herbs. And then you have instant tea all winter long. You have a little sore throat. You just take a spoon and you stick it in your sage, honey, and you get a big glob of sage all coated in honey. Put it in your cup, pour boiling water over it. It's ready to drink instantly. You don't even have to have to steep it. It's ready to go. Mm. So That's I love, good. you know, we... Yeah, we make thyme honey and shiso honey and rosemary honey and sage honey and mint honey. All, right, all mm. during this time of the year, some of our late fall things to do are put, get those aromatic herbs up in honey. That preserves the antioxidants that keeps our antioxidant levels high all winter. And Susan, what kind of vinegar are you using when you do that? I use regular apple cider vinegar that I have pasteurized by bringing it up to a boil. And then uh-huh. turning the fire off and letting it cool. And when it's completely cool, pouring it back in the jug. Okay. So if I didn't make my own, could I use like a like a Bragg's apple cider vinegar and do that to it? Like boil it as well? I buy, I buy, I, I don't buy Bragg's. Oh, okay. I don't buy anything that has Bragg's name on it, to tell you the truth. Oh, well, that's a nice tip. Okay. I got a feeling there's a good reason for that. (laughs) I worked in the health food industry for a long time. Um, So I tend to buy apple cider vinegar at the supermarket. Really? Okay. It's $2.39 a gallon. I can actually afford it at the supermarket. Correct. Okay. And then you can make lots and lots of vinegars. Oh, that's a great idea. Just buy a nice big jug. Exactly. Okay. Might it be contaminated with herbicides and pesticides? You know, it's possible. Some mm-hmm. apples can be pretty heavily sprayed. It's absolutely true. But I'm not super concerned about it. 
Hmm. In fact, I buy a thousand pounds of apples a year from the Hudson River Valley, and I, I don't even ask if they're organic. Hmm. It's not a big concern to me because I know that where the real problem lies is not in fruits and vegetables, but in milk, meat, eggs, and butter. Mm. And I pay whatever I have to pay to make sure those are organic. I buy organic oils. Mm-hmm. So I spend my organic dollars, which really going to count. Huh. Okay. It's funny that you say that, and you've been saying that for a while, and I, I'm hearing it, and I'm doing a little less organic shopping, but I guess there's a part of me that just um, gets a little scared and also wonders if it's really organic, too. I mean, there's also that. If you have all the money in the world, buy everything organic. I'm all for that. I just yeah, I don't. I don't, don't and have buy all the money in the world. We actually have to make decisions. Am I going to buy this organic or am I going to buy that? And, you know, the organic milk and eggs and butter and meat and oil is expensive. Mm-hmm. But, again, from my estimate, it was just a rough estimate. You know, I looked at charts of how much of this, that, and the other thing your average American eats in a year and what kind of herbicides and pesticides are used on those crops and made a rough estimate and I can tell you that from my rough estimate, there's about the same amount of herbicide and pesticide residue in one pound of non-organic butter as there is in eating non-organic produce for 10 years. Wow. Huh. And to think that sometimes I don't buy blueberries because I just I, and I miss them because I don't want to spend whatever, seven, eight dollars for a pint, and I could just be buying regular blueberries. The the bottom line is eating any fruit and vegetable is better than not eating it. Right. Okay. I support local farms. I mm-hmm. do everything I can to procure the things um, that make a lot of sense to me. There's also a list put out every year, the Dirty Dozen. Right which can help alert you to the place where you can say, okay, you know, strawberries are on the dirty dozen. How many strawberries am I eating this year? Am I eating them once? I'll get the regular ones. Am I eating them Mm. every single day for three weeks? I'll get the organic ones. Mm. But only you know how much of any individual thing you're eating. Right. And it's also nice to turn that dirty dozen list over and have the clean 13 and to find that, to save your money. The, right. the plain avocados are just as good as the organic. The plain onions is just as good as the organic. Mm-hmm. Again, please support your local farms. Please support organic growers. What I'm saying is if you have to make choices, the mm-hmm. choices are first for the places where the persistent organic pollutants are going to be concentrated, and that's in milk, meat, eggs, and fats. Okay. Okay. That's really helpful. I'm so glad you called. Thank you so much, Susan. Have a beautiful evening. Say hello to those big, giant trees for me, please. (laughs) Okay, I'm turning you toward them. 
<laughs> oh, good. Oh, thank you. Sequoia Gigantica, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Dream blessings. Good night. Bye. Okay, our next caller is coming from the 512 area code. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. I think there might be a slight delay. I was calling um, about um, strep throat. My son seems to get it quite often in the fall and winter. Um, He's five years old, and I have experimented with trying to treat it with echinacea, um, following the, I think it's two drops per pound of body weight. Is that correct? Other way around. Oh. One drop for, one drop for two that? pounds of body weight. Okay. One you. drop Thank for you. two pounds of body weight. So um, I, you know, kind of experimented with treating him um, with the echinacea, following those guidelines. How, okay. How, how frequently did you give him that dose? It was um, every couple of hours. Okay, literally every two hours. Literally. Yeah, for about 20, well, not quite 24 hours because he went to bed and uh, didn't wake up, so I didn't give him any more. And that that was the latest. So during the time he was awake, he got five or six doses? Yes, that sounds right. Probably five. Okay. Okay. Um, and the next day he was still complaining of his throat hurting, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not eating. Um, so my husband went ahead and took him in and got him swabbed, and now he's on antibiotics. Um, but I, you know, for obvious reasons, I really like. Wow! Not. Did the I, excuse me? Did the antibiotics make his sore throat go away immediately? Pretty quickly, I would say within. Well, let's see. We gave it to him two doses on Sunday, and by Monday morning, his sore throat was gone. I, I, I can certainly understand, but I certainly would have given the echinacea at least another day. Because as another you said, day. the antibiotic took a full day. Yeah, that's true. Was he running a fever of 104? No, he had no fever at that point. Well, I don't understand what life-threatening thing caused him to have to be put on antibiotics. Well, I um, I slept in <laughs> that morning, <laughs> and so my husband took it upon himself to to take him in. What I'm what I'm saying is antibiotics yeah. make sense if there's some life-threatening infection. Okay. Well, and I think my if, husband's if, if, if a child is complaining of a sore throat, one of the first things I would do is give him some sage tea with honey. Yes, I did do that. Good. Wonderful. And for children also, I would also use elderberry in some form along with the echinacea. Yes, I have been doing, I was doing that as well. Um, I found that the teachers seemed did to you, be and more did you have, effective. Did you, have the, did you have any propolis? I don't have any. I do have honeybees. Um, okay, propolis, could... propolis spray, of course, can get right into the back of the throat. 
Okay. And does it numb the throat a little bit? So, yes, absolutely. So one of the things okay. that's happening, and I think you know it's happening, and I think that's why you've called, is that when we rush off and get antibiotics, then the infection is very likely to come back. Uh-huh. Yes, last year it, he rebounded several times. Exactly. And if you will give the herbs an opportunity to work, if his life is not being threatened by fever, if he's just complaining, well, you know, fuck up. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I, if, if your child is really in, in serious straits and needs to be taken to the doctor and getting antibiotics, well, please do it. But we're, t- but we're talking about a child who wasn't running a fever and merely complaining? Yeah. Well, and I the really... antibiotics make him crazy. They make him act like exactly. he's hyperactive. Exactly. That's all, that's all I'm saying is antibiotics have their place, but as we all know, they are overused. Okay. So I probably just needed to give another day with the same dosage that I was doing the echinacea, add the elderberry, maybe some propolis. I think you do. I think you're doing great. Okay. All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you for answering my question, and it was an honor to speak with you tonight. Green blessings. Thank you too. Green blessings. Okay. Uh, if you have a question for Susan, please press one to speak with her. And the next caller is coming from the nine zero three area code. Hello. Hi. Hi, Susan. It is a a honor and pleasure to finally speak with you. Green blessings. Green blessings. Welcome. <laughs> um, I first learned of you um, when I was trying to get pregnant with my daughter. A dear friend of mine gave me um, one of your books, and I have been a fan ever since, and I'm so thankful for everything that you share with us. You are welcome. Hooray for Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So I, I, I look am... I look at it and wish I could write a book so simple once again. <laughs> yes, yes. Um I am calling in um for my husband um because he um he had an accident last year in which he his spleen was shattered. And um, so it is, it is no more, technically. Um, and the advice that they, they gave us, meaning the um, traditional Western doctors, was that um, he should, um, whenever he got any kind of anything, he should rush to get antibiotics and he should be vaccinated constantly. And that's not typically our, our way. Um, however, recently he came down with, um, some kind of virus thing, um, which he had for about three weeks, and um, I tried to treat it the best I could, and he ended up still having a sinus infection. He went to urgent care on Sunday because it was so bad, um, and they gave him um, antibiotic, the amoxicillin clavamox. They gave him prednisone um, and... He basically said that my stuff wasn't working, and so he's been taking that. And 
so I'm I'm calling for for help <laughs> with him. I, I'm not really clear where this is going because one of the things that I don't do is secondhand consultations. Okay. I don't want to talk to you about something that your husband does not want to do. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I, I guess... Well, I take, if you are interested in herbs and you want to take care of yourself, that's great. But okay. he is happy with antibiotics and prednisone. That's great, too. Right. Well, he's actually not. The thing is that I gave him, I gave him the elderberry and I gave him the echinacea tincture um, and um, vitamin C. Okay, so echinacea is not antiviral. Okay. I urge everyone to buy Stephen Booner's book, Herbal Antivirals and Herbal Antibiotics. Okay, Herbal Antivirals. They are excellent, excellent books. It will take you a while to get through them, and that's okay. Okay. If if the um, the talks I did for Main Street Radio are archived anywhere on the internet, and as we know, nothing ever leaves the internet, um, mm-hmm. you could actually find me reading these books out loud. Of course, making comments. Great. As I as I do, because I believe that they are truly um, some of the best thinking about antibiotics in general, whether they're drug antibiotics or herbal antibiotics, and how our bodies respond to them and how our environment responds to them. I did not realize until I read Stephen Booner's Herbal Antibiotics that antibiotics are indestructible. So anytime any antibiotic is made, it is here forever on the planet. Wow. And antibiotics um, teach bacteria how to resist them. Fleming, who discovered antibiotics, uh, she almost 100 years ago now, said right away, he said, bacteria are going to be resistant to these things, especially if we overuse them. We now make hundreds of millions of pounds of antibiotics every year. Stephen talks about an experiment they did in Germany where they took um, chickens and they gave one set of chickens antibiotics and the other set they did not give antibiotics. And they were in separate pens. And the gut flora of the chickens with the antibiotics began to show antibiotic-resistant bacteria pretty quickly. But within the month, the chickens who weren't getting the antibiotics had the same bacteria in their gut. And within two months, all the animals on the farm had the same antibiotic-resistant bacteria. And within three months, the people on the farm did too, although the people did not eat eggs or the chickens. Oh. That's upsetting. (laughs) So we are creating more and more and more, and Stephen talks about an epidemic of antibiotic-resistant bacteria. 
And the antibiotics that we make, the drug antibiotics, literally teach bacteria how to be resistant. And one of the wonderful things about herbs is that the the plants are so varied that bacteria can't learn how to be resistant. And, of course, what I'm also saying, and I shouldn't assume that you know, is that bacteria talk to each other. Yes, yes. And they, they actually talk to each other with their DNA. So it's just not, hi, how are you? It's like, here, here's how to be resistant to anthromycin. And they just give that piece of DNA to another bacteria. So what Stephen says and what most people agree with is that, that antibiotics certainly have their place, but we should use them as infrequently as possible, and we should give herbs a real chance and not say, oh, the herbs aren't working, I'm going to go get an antibiotic, because herbs might work a little more slowly, and so long as there's not a life-threatening fever, and the person is not in any way, you know, going to be destroyed by what's going on, then I believe, and Stephen, I I think, believes as well, that it's safe to continue to use herbs. Okay. It's It's not that the herbs don't work, it's that the herbs may not work as fast, but we all know that things that take a little longer sometimes work a little better in the long run. Yes. Well, that's that's my that's my feeling. Um, However, here's a really interesting thing. There's no reason he can't take herbal antibiotics along with regular. Right, and that's what that's what we basically agreed to do because the concern was that because he doesn't have the spleen anymore, he's he's concerned, and I'm concerned because he's been sick for three weeks. Okay, so. He was concerned, and he said, well, if I go get the antibiotics and I still take the other stuff, then maybe I can I can kick it, and it's not going to make more problems for me since I don't have the spleen. So that's, that's kind of where we – okay, Sounds so, good to me. Is he, is he taking herbs that nourish the immune system on a regular basis, like astragalus? No. Is he drinking he nourishing herbal infusions? Um, he does take the nettle. That's the one that I've gotten him to take so far. I'm I'm trying to educate him as I myself learn. <laughs> Good. Good. So what I'm saying is that we don't want to just wait until he gets sick, but we want to nourish him and nourish his immune system on a regular basis so that he has more supplies in his body when he gets sick. Yes. Yes, I, I guess yes, that's ultimately what is, I... The spleen is an important part of the immune system, but the spleen is not the only part of the immune system. There's right. the thymus, there's the lymph nodes. The immune system is huge. Okay. Okay. It is not, the immune system does not live in his spleen. Right. Okay. It's like so, if we have an orchestra and the harpist can't show up, we still have an orchestra. Right. Right. And I, I guess that's it. I'm wondering if what I what I did was the right things or if I needed to change stuff. So like the astragalus, I, I didn't know I didn't know about that. So Astragalus is a that. wonderful immune system tonic and nourisher and it can be used very regularly. It's an herb from China. It's the root of a legume, okay. and I really like to cook with it. 
I make a soup, I'll throw slices of astragalus in there. If I'm making uh, something where I can add some powder like oatmeal or beans, I'll throw some astragalus powder in with those things. I also make astragalus infusion by weighing out an ounce of the astragalus root, putting it in a quart jar, filling it to the top of the boiling water, just like you make a regular infusion, and letting it sit, straining it out and drinking it because it's rather low in protein and rather low in sugars it can sit in the refrigerator for four or five days you can he could drink or you could drink a cup a day okay okay that sounds so wonderful. those are those are some ways to help get more astragalus into both your diets everybody benefits from more astragalus in their diet absolutely i'm i'm game <laughs> i'm totally game <laughs> it's going to be my next infusion right there <laughs> all right what's fun i think you'll like it it's got a nice taste okay beautiful so do you suggest it um warm or cold cuz i know with a nettle you say cold is better but it cold is better but i we also drink nettle hot with miso right 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 whatever um, whatever you like it's really a matter of your own personal taste Suit yourself best, and that's what I want. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. So is is there anything – we have to go to Hawaii um, in another week, and we'll be there for almost oh, a month. people who are listening are crying for you that you have to go to Hawaii. <laughs> well, I know, right? I, I, well, his, his mom lives there, and she has Alzheimer's, and so we're going to take care of her um, and give his sister a break. So um, – uh, yeah, I know. I'm crying too. <laughs> so sad. Oh, too bad. That sucks. Um, I, I, Take I her to love, the beach. I, she'll she'll yeah, enjoy right? it. Exactly. So, you okay. know, I yeah. never had a, I never had a problem flying with infusion herb. Okay. And I do urge you to take it there because your eyes will roll back in your head when you see how much they charge in Hawaii. Well, that's what I was going to ask you because the last time I was there, everything was so insanely expensive, and I hadn't brought anything, and I was kicking myself in the butt. So, okay, so really? I can bring take the dry herb. Take it, take it, take it, yes. Okay. I okay. have never had a problem. Good, excellent. Thank you know, you. so uh, I would only check to see if there's. I mean, I brought it into Australia, and it's. I just pack it in my carry-on luggage. Okay. You know, I put the herbs in like a big Ziploc bag, and then I like kind of smooth it down and pack it in between my clothes. Right. It's not like I make a big hoo-ha out of it. I'm not trying to hide it because it's easier to carry that way, right? Right. Yes, absolutely. 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 But, you know, never had any trouble carrying herb or tinctures. Okay. All right. Perfect. 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 Okay, good. That that way we can keep doing it while while we're there and not have to – you know, take and not have to. I know, pay Hawaiian prices exactly. Right, or or that. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yes. And we get to be at my sister-in-law's house, so I have full kitchen there, so I can make the infusions and do everything I need. So that's wonderful. Okay. Thank you so uh, very much. You're welcome. Good night. Green blessings. Good night. Thank you. Okay, our next caller is coming from the nine zero eight area code. Hi, Susan. It's Dorothy from New Jersey. Hi, Dorothy from New Jersey. What's up tonight? Well, I have a question, but it is about my 90-year-old mom. So I didn't know if you would, if you would take a question for an elder. Well, is she resistant? 
to taking things I give her? Yes. No, she she has to understand. You know, it ha- it can't be hard. I've given her tinctures, and she's been able to take those. Um, but you know, she, I is she is she having difficulty swallowing? No, no, no difficulty swallowing. She just okay. So she still starts, remembers how to swallow. Yes, yes, she does. She can swallow just fine. Um, but she, you know. If I asked her if I thought that she should make nourishing herbal infusions, I don't think she could add that to her diet. You know, I just don't think that she uh-huh. wouldn't be. Does she does she, does she live independently? She well, she still lives with my dad, but he has Parkinson's, so he is taking more and more care. And they're trying to to uh, get ready to move, and you know, they're going to move to a more a place where they could get more help they needed it. Does she live far away from you? She does. She lives 450 miles away. Well, I understand your care and your concern. My Mm -hmm. part of my thing about secondhand consultations is that that it's frustrating for everybody Mm -hmm. to both offer and to be offered something that isn't really wanted. Mhm. Mhm. So well, it's not that I want to withhold the information from yeah. you. Yeah. It's that I, it's that I want you to know that loving your mom is as important as any herb. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. Well, you know. And and since you're since you're not there, mm-hmm. um, and they're going to be moving. It might be yet harder for her to uh, take anything. You know, one of the things I'm really on about is n- using herbs to nourish ourselves. Yes, yes. And tinctures, tinctures in general aren't nourishing. For instance, if we went out and harvested a quarter pound of nettle and made a tincture, that would make a quart of nettle tincture. Right. But if I dried that, but if I dried that quarter pound of nettle, it would make one ounce of dried nettle, which would make a quart of infusion. Right. So even if the tincture contained the same stuff as the infusion, which it doesn't because alcohol doesn't extract minerals, but even if it did, there are still 32 one-ounce bottles of tincture in that quart. Right. So even if I took an ounce of tincture a day, it would still take me a month to get the same nourishment I get from a single quart of nettle infusion. Right, right, yeah. So I never make nettle tincture because why would I make nettle tincture? Yeah. Yeah, I right. I've used I use tinctures, you know, for acute situations. I use tinctures if I have a sore muscle or a headache or a stomach upset. How wonderful they are! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't sound like your mom would be that interested in having a herbal medicine kit given to her. Yeah, she's she's not very good at integrating things, new things at this point. Um, exactly. But I when she asks me, like she doesn't always ask me by any means, but she was just having this problem that she asked me about. So I would say, like, well, if she asks me, then I maybe there's then, an then you then you think then you think that she's. I do too. I think she's more likely to listen to your answer. So what did she yeah. ask you about? Yes. 
Well, she has she she gets very cold in her legs at night. She not during the day. She's fine during the day, but at night when she goes to bed, especially her lower legs, like from her knees down and into her feet, she just can't get warm. She says she uses blankets, and you know she she tries to wear warm socks, but nothing seems to warm her her lower legs at night. Is it possible for her to take a bath? a short bath in hot water before she gets in bed? I could ask her. I think that would be the simplest thing for her. Okay. Take a short bath in, in water as hot as she's comfortable in and then put on her, if she possibly can, natural fiber tights and socks. Okay. So sure. wool, socks, wool socks better than synthetic blends. Yes, yes. That's easy enough. Yeah. Okay. So get them real warm before getting into bed. Yeah. Keep, yeah. Okay. That's okay. good. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Good night. Green blessings. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. The next caller is coming from the 215 area code. Hello, Susan. This is Mona. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I turned 65 in March, and um, I've never had a flu vaccine. I don't really plan on ever having a flu vaccine. I'm going to see my wonderful female doctor that I go to see once a year, and she supports me in all sorts of herbal supplements and any other natural thing I want to do to stay healthy. Now, I know she's going to try to talk me into it. Wait, 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 just a second. What's an herbal supplement? I'm sorry. I didn't mean supplement. Any type of herbal support, any infusions uh, that I want to do, uh, any of my tinctures. She totally, I'm sorry, that was a poor choice of words. She supports me in that. Anyway, I love her. She's wonderful. So I'm going to go see her, and she's going to, every year she tries to suggest a flu flu vaccine. And um, I'm going to go see her in a few days. And um, I just wanted your opinion on that. I do not get the flu vaccine. I don't have to. There are people who are forced to because of where they work. Oh. No, I don't have Um, to. So you don't have to. Neither of us have to. Um, So then it's a personal decision for us. So let's ask ourselves, is this a vaccine that is specific against flu I will get? And the answer is no. The flu vaccine is not specific. And we don't know what flu strains are going to be active this winter. Mm, True. And nobody knows, but it takes a while to make the flu vaccine, so they do their best guess. Okay. So if you think it's worthwhile to get a vaccine that's a best guess, then I certainly understand that. I don't, and I don't because I know that I have um, 
a great herbal pharmacy at my fingertips from all the herbs that I have studied and have made remedies from that are right there in my house. So it's uh, easy for me to say I can take care of myself. I have elderberry tincture. I have elderberry syrup. I have bone set tincture. I have hypericum tincture. I have the luxury of taking a day or two off if I want to. After all, I'm my own publisher. Hmm. Right? So if I don't meet a deadline, well, I can usually, you know, get by with it. Right. Right? So I have some eases that other people may not, and those factor into my decision. Right? Right. I'm not going to lose needed income by having the flu. I can afford to have the flu, take some days, work with it with herbs, you know, take some days off. It's not going to cause a major problem in my life. Okay. Will getting a flu shot be sure you don't get the flu? Well, no, it won't. So, again, we can circle back to it's a bit of a bet or a gamble. And I am, my personality doesn't work well with bets and gambles. Okay. So that's my opinion. Okay. That's what I, I wanted. Thank you. And um, no, I, I've never had one before, and I really don't plan on having one in the future. And my other question was, if you do start getting the flu vaccine, is it something you would have to do every year? Would no. your body depend on that, do you think? No. No, absolutely oh. not. Okay. There are two parts to the immune system. The innate part of the immune system, which deals basically with bacteria, and it's innate. We're born with it. And the part of the immune system that has to learn, and that's the part that deals with viruses like the flu and colds. One of the reasons that children get so many colds is because there are huge numbers of different human colds. And so they are cycling through them, teaching their immune system. Once the immune system has been exposed to a virus, it knows about it, keeps a copy of that virus and how it reacted to it. And at a class once, somebody said, well, how long does it take your immune system to figure out a virus and to figure out how to defend itself against? And I said, gosh, I really don't know. And lucky me, there was a virologist in class, and she said, long enough for you to die. So when we create vaccines, like if we have a vaccine against yellow fever. It's specifically against yellow fever. And if you wait for your body to figure out yellow fever, you could die before it does. Okay. But are you going to die from the flu? Again, you have to ask yourself, am I a person who's especially vulnerable to the flu? And if you're not, again, it's bet, and you have to decide if you want to take that gamble. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you. I like your answer, and I thank you uh, for your opinion. You are welcome. Green blessings. Oh, and one, 
I'm sorry, one more quick question. I called a little while ago about bladder issues, and you told me to do um, corn silk infusions, and I'm doing them, and I love them. I love the, the taste of it. I love everything about it. Now, I'm doing this on a regular basis for the last week. Um, Absolutely fine. You can drink as much corn silk as you want. Oh, Hey, Green Goddesses, what do you think about corn silk infusion? (laughs) It is yum. It really is yum. I'm loving it. Okay, well, thank (laughs) you for that, and it is helping with my bladder, and thank you for your opinion. Green blessings, sweet dreams. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 713 area code. And we're into our last half hour. How many callers are, do we still have? We just have one caller after this, and I'll remind oh. the rest of the call to press one if you have a question for Susan. Hi, Susan. <laughs> Hi. This is Mary. How are you doing? Hi, Mary. I'm really enjoying myself. How about you? I'm doing great, too. Thank you. Um, I have a couple of questions. Well, we, I called last week and we talked about blood pressure, and you were, we were going to continue that a little bit. I did get some Hawthorne berries to make, an, I guess, an infusion with. I had been using Hawthorne leaves. Wonderful. So you got some dried Hawthorne berries? Yeah, yeah. Brush your toe off. Excellent. So you can certainly can make infusion. I will tell you truthfully what I use is I tincture those dried hawthorn berries. Okay. And I, I so bought take, some vodka, so take, too, just in case. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I didn't catch that. I bought some vodka, too, just in case. All right, good. So fill any size jar about 30 to 35% full of hawthorn berries, and then right to the top with your 100-proof vodka. 80-proof won't work. Oh, 80-proof 80 proof will not work. Okay. Is that because of the water, uh, too much water content? Or? Too much water. Correct. It's 60% water. Okay. Is there a particular brand? Because when I was in there, there's just so many different vodkas at different prices. that. Whatever floats your boat is good by me. Okay. Well, I don't normally drink, so I have no idea. Well, I don't either. I don't either. So it doesn't matter at all to me. I just, you know, say... Hi, I want, and uh, truthfully, because I have apprentices and people are making tinctures, I actually buy a case, which is four double liters, right? Okay. So I'm buying almost two gallons of 100-proof vodka at a time. Okay, so you and, buy... And the, and the liquor store gives me a small discount, and I just buy whatever they sell me. Oh, okay. So there's not a particular okay. brand you like you particularly buy just the cheapest one you can get. Well, I don't ask for the cheapest one. I ask for you know, you know, and I don't. I have not seen that there's a really big difference in price in hundred proof. There's a much okay. bigger difference in price in eighty proof, because you have all oh. kinds of specialized stuff. Okay. Right. Okay. All right, so uh, okay, you so your jars, your jars about thirty-five percent full of dried hawthorn berries, and then filled to the top with hundred-proof vodka, and uh, lidded and labeled. Shake that up, shake that up for the first. I actually shake it up like hourly for the first day because the dried berries will expand, 
and then it becomes very very difficult to shake up because they won't move around in there. So we want to keep shaking it while they're expanding and absorbing moisture from the vodka. That's also why we don't fill the jar all the way full because it will get fuller and fuller. Okay. So as, when those, you say- as those dry berries expand, right? Right. And it's ready. It's ready to use within six weeks. But I think that the strongest tincture from the dried hawthorn sits for a year. So I put enough so that even if I use that first quart, then I have another one which sits for a year. And I usually start with a pound of hawthorn berries and put up four quarts of tincture. Okay. Right. And then when I open the second one, it's time for me to do it again. Okay. So you leave the berries in the jar. Oh, yeah. I leave them in there forever. Oh, yes. Absolutely. There's absolutely no reason to ever take them out. And, of course, what I really prefer is to use fresh hawthorn berries and to fill the jar right to the top of fresh hawthorn and then with underproof vodka. And that's what we did a couple of days ago because we're out here in Vashon Island where there are hawthorn berries on the roadsides. And we just walked along the roadside and picked masses of hawthorn berries. Well, that is awesome. Isn't it though? <laughs> fill the jar to the top. Do you mean like to the fill line, to where the threads start, all the way to the tip top? I fill to the top. I fill it right to the top. So to the very top of the lip. To the very top of the lip with my fresh berries. Okay. Yep. Not with the dry berries though, just with the fresh ones. So with the dry berries, fill it to where? One third full, about thirty-five percent full. Okay, but that's with the berries. I meant with the alcohol. To the top. To the tip top of the rim. Okay. I so don't I fill it so full that it spills over. Okay. Yeah, so it's okay. close to because okay, there's the fill line on yeah, the Yeah, reasonably, reasonably close to the top. You're not going to can it, so you don't have to worry about expansion during boiling. Okay. And so that's why they tell more- you not to. That's why they tell you not to fill your canning jar all the way up because it's going to be steam expansion during canning, and you'll just break your jar if you fill it right to the top. And then, how much of this tincture do I take after? Quartz? That's take a the- good after- question. Could you tell me about how much applesauce would be good to eat? A cup. Hawthorn <laughs> berry. Hawthorn berry tincture is the equivalent of applesauce. Okay, so then it's. There any difference so between start, the so it really doesn't make any. You know, start with a dropper full if you feel like that's enough on a daily basis, and you can stay there, um, or take two or three or four, whatever you want. Really, it is applesauce. The haws are related to apples. Okay, and then um, so there's there's no way to hurt yourself with hawthorn berry. Or hawthorn berry tincture or hawthorn berry infusion. We are eating hawthorn berry oxymel, which is hawthorn berry vinegar mixed with hawthorn berry honey. Um, oh, wow. We're eating we're eating hawthorn berry jam because there's so many hawthorn berries here. Wow! And because That's and because awesome. hawthorn is Eagle Song's favorite plant, so she has all these things she makes from hawthorn because she loves it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so accessible. It's so accessible. It's such a wonderful plant. 
Okay. And then, um, so I had another question. Um, what do you, how do you do your rotation on the infusions? Do you have like nettle every day and then have some of the other ones on, you know, a little bit of this one one day and then a little bit of that one every day on, the, on another day? No, what? I make a new infusion each night. I have nettle one day, oat straw one day, red clover one day, linden one day, comfrey one day. Oh, okay. I was making, instead of making quarts, I was making pints so I could have two different ones. Um, each day, and some people and some people like to have two lovers in bed with them. It's all fine by me, but I prefer one at a time. Okay, okay. Um, if okay. you do and two in a day and something happens, you don't know what happened. Well, that's true, but so far, and most people, most people that I deal with don't have very much experience with herbs, and so I find using simple. And using one infusion during the day helps us to feel more confident and more at ease with the plants. Oh, well, I kind of introduced you. Also, nourishing herbal infusion is the only thing I'm drinking. Right. So it's just a lot easier for me. You know, wow, imagine if I'm living with four apprentices and maybe an intern and Michael, you know, how many different infusions we'd have to make. No, we just make one pot of infusion for everybody. Yeah. Well, I like my, I like having the nettle every day, which is why I make a pint of it. And I drink it by the infusions. And then I understand. Um, my second new favorite um, was red clover. And so I've been doing um, red clover and nettle every day. But I already had the nettle in my system, and and the red clover is just making my still seems to be making my skin softer. What I'm saying is that if you do nettle one day, red clover one day, oat straw one day, linden one day, and whatever I left out, um, you will get the benefits of all of them without having to do two of them in one day. Okay. You're going to okay. get the benefit of nettle whether you drink it every single day or not. Okay. It's just... not, it's, nettle is not a drug. It's not a stimulant. You, you, don't, you are not dependent on it. Well, I do have some problems with my adrenal gland. It tends to lag. So that's why I kept nettle. You just have, my... you just have, one, you just have one adrenal gland? Well, no, I have two, but I'm just you have my two. Adrenals, okay, so both of your adrenals and what? What do you mean they tend to lag? They um, sluggish. Um, what, did, what does that mean? I'm difficult to wake up in the morning. I start developing energy in the evening. I can, if I um, not careful, I let myself get overstimulated in the evening. I can be up till three in the morning and then crash and. Then, then you know, getting my sleep in. But just even when I wake up in the morning, even if I manage to manage my schedule correctly and get myself in bed by eleven, I'm tired in the morning. Yeah, and I don't. Just, I don't connect I, that. In, I do. I do not connect that in any way at all with adrenals. Well, the only reason I do that is because I read through some things, and it it seems to mention. It seems to 
anyway, the symptoms go along with this adrenal fatigue book that I was looking at on the internet, and um, I, I, and I understand, but, you, but but please understand also that the symptoms that are often listed in those things are so broad and so general that they fit 99% of the population. Well, no, I understand that. But since I've been having been doing a little bit of nettle every day, that seems to be – my system seems to be more stable. Excellent. It may be that you don't need to do the nettle every day to have that stability and consistency. That's what I believe. Okay. I believe that the herbs work synergistically in terms of their constituents being a synergistic whole, but I also believe that as we rotate through the infusions that we provide ourselves with a variety of things that our body needs, and I don't think that so far anybody I've met is wise enough or smart enough to really know what the body needs. Oh, I know. I, I, I go by what so I that's why That's why I like to rotate through them and do a full quart of each one a day or more if I'm thirsty. Okay. Or if I do a full quart of nettle and I'm thirsty, then maybe I'll do a little hibiscus or a little astragalus if I have that on hand. And then I'll do a different infusion the next day. And I believe okay. that as you move through them, because... Of course, the linden is a powerful anti-inflammatory. And what I can see from what you're saying is that there is some fairly deep but possibly low-level inflammation going on in your body, which would cause you to wake up tired. Okay. The adrenals should be restored by your night's sleep, so you shouldn't wake up tired. I just, I've just had this right. problem for years. Forget that, yes. And and uh, where are you vis-a-vis menopause? I have already passed through that. Okay, but wonderful. it started. It started before, I guess, when I was in perimenopause, and just there's no such thing as perimenopause. There's only okay. menopause or postmenopause. There's were you ever in peripuberty? Well, I guess the early stages of menopause. The early stages of menopause are menopause, just as the early stages of puberty are puberty. There is no perimenopause. That is a term made up by a white male gynecologist to take away the power of menopause. I was right there when he told me what he was doing. I'm not passing on gossip. This is firsthand experience. This is a man's ploy to deprive you of power. So please do not use perimenopause. It's menopause. Yeah, I can see that. Menopause can last. Menopause is not just the last drop of blood you shed any more than puberty was the first drop of blood you shed. Yeah. But that's what modern science would have you believe, that it's perimenopause up to that last drop of blood and then postmenopause. You see, they don't give you any menopause at all. Because menopause is a package to power, and they don't want you to be a powerful woman. Oh. Well, I didn't see menopause as a package of power. I felt it as a really negative um, drain of energy on my body. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it is. I'm not sure if you had my book or you had the advantage of having that, but we actually had the youngest woman in our group today say she was looking forward to menopause after we talked about menopause. Uh, well, I was. I did look forward to it from the standpoint that I wouldn't have such heavy periods. Anymore. No, she was not. That's not what she was saying. She was saying she was looking forward to taking on that power, the power of the wise old woman. Oh, okay. Because it, menopause is a passage to power. Leslie Kenton's book about menopause is called Passage to Power. And I think it, that, you know, my menopause book is for women 30 to 90. So if you're not yet 90, a third of that book is about keeping your heart healthy, your bones strong, and your libido turning over. Yeah. 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 So... um yeah, I think you're doing a good job. I think that that you may need more cooked greens in your diet. Yeah, I yeah, mm-hmm. I, and I do love. I I'm a big spinach hound too. Okay, and and how long do you cook your spinach? Um, I don't know, twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. I steam most it. most most people steam their greens for fifteen to twenty minutes and thus get no nutrition of any kind out of them. Oh, okay. The green goddess is here. A kale yesterday. It was cooked for how long? Three hours. What did you think about that kale? Delicious. Are you hearing us? Yeah, did you boil it or did you yes. steam it? Yes. Okay. Yes, it was cooked in it was we didn't send it for swimming lessons. Okay. <laughs> we put an inch of butter in the bottom of the pot with the kale and brought it to a boil and as it cooked we checked it and as if the water evaporated we added a little more. Okay. But I suggest a minimum of one hour cooking for your greens, and I personally eat a half cup of cooked greens on a daily basis. Okay, I'm going to wish you green blessings and go on to that last caller with the last 10 minutes I have. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. And that last caller is coming from the 845 area code. Hi, Susan. Hi. It's been a good night for 845. Go home and home follows me. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear you in such a great mood. It must be it's very nice to be on the West Coast. Well, you know, I'm always in a good mood when I get to spend my days running around barefoot in the forest. Yeah, me too. So I so thought what, about a I called about a month ago about some stomach complaints over uh, the course of a couple of years. And you said four to seven days on the slippery elm and on day six, you nailed it. I was completely over it. Hooray for slippery elm. So I did it for another week, but I, I still wasn't normal so I added I I don't like to do you know like six things new at once so I was taking it slow and so I added in the milk thistle tincture and that completely resolved the issue 
Thank you. Good for you. So, yeah, you're right. Um, the, only, the only problem I've had is uh, I tried to have one of my no foods, and I tried to have some oily fish a few days ago, and my stomach blew up again. So, I mean, who who can expect too much after just a couple of weeks? But, um, <laughs> you know, I'll stick on it and... Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get any of the other symptoms back, though. But um, I wanted to ask you of your feelings about a particular plant, please. Yes, that that grows near us. Well, every year I look for uh, a new plant in my uh, immediate surroundings. Usually, my yard, which is about an acre, and I've let it go all fallow. So this year I discovered evening primrose. Yay, evening primrose. Isn't it beautiful? So beautiful. I didn't know what it was at first. A hummingbird uh, brought it to my attention. That's such a great image of the hummingbirds going to those glorious yellow flowers. Are yours yellow flowered? Yes, of course, and, you know, very skinny and about, I don't know, two and a half feet tall, maybe not quite, maybe I'm exaggerating. Well, there, there, are, actually, there are actually many, many evening primroses. Um, okay. I'm, I, yeah. You know, I'm suspecting that you have possibly the, the one that's considered the medicinal one, which is the tall one with the yellow flowers. But I saw I one in so. Texas, and it really opened up right at dusk, and it covered a field with these beautiful pink flowers. It was very low-growing, maybe five or six inches. It was just stunning. Yeah, I'm, I'm really more was. familiar with with that kind. So this, this particular yeah. one really got my attention. There you go. And I knew what it was right away. So my feeling is this plant wants to be my friend. And is there anything related to the stomach, liver, gallbladder that speaks to you about this? Yellow flowers are certainly connected to the liver and the gallbladder. Mm-hmm. Because of the bile, right? So you, they're certainly safe to eat. In fact, all mm-hmm. parts of that evening primrose, Onetheria biens, are safe to eat. Mm-hmm. It is a biennial plant, so the ones that you see blooming now will die this year. Of course, but I, I didn't want to eat them because I want them to make seed and make more. They have a profuse bloom and a great many seeds, so I think if you ha- take some of the flowers, it would be okay, but check in with the plant and see what the plant says. Right. But how would, how, what, what, um, if I wanted to try, besides eating it, um, would it make a good oil or tincture or tea? Well, commercially, or? The, commercially, the evening primrose seeds are pressed and the oil from those seeds is actually sown in health food stores, evening primrose seed oil. Right. Right. It's used because it's thought to have an influence on hormones. I, oh. first, um, I first saw it being used by midwives who uh, would use it by putting several capsules of evening primrose 
seed oil um, inside a woman's vagina up against her cervix to help the cervix ripen and to help bring on a birth. Well, I'm beyond that point. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But but as far as hormones go, I have had problems with uh, a rise in estrogen due to pesticides. Um, Of course, because of that extra estrogen, I had no menopause. Basically, it was a walk in the park, you know, a couple little, oh, I'm a little hot. Well, okay, I'm better, you know, and everything's fine. Menopause has nothing to do with lack of estrogen. Oh, no, it doesn't? Didn't know that. The symptoms of menopause are caused by excessive production of luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone. Human women... Human women make 30 kinds of estrogen. We start making 29 kinds of estrogen in utero. Oh my. We, die, ma- we die making 29 kinds of estrogens. Between puberty and menopause, we make the 30th estrogen once a month. While it is true that we do not make that estrogen before puberty or after menopause. One could never say that losing one-thirtieth of anything made you deficient. Now, could they? No, I was never deficient. I I was just told that pesticides could raise a woman's estrogen, and I did have seemingly a problem with that when I lived on a golf course. But anyway, in, um, ge- in general, what would be sprayed in the golf course would be herbicides rather than pesticides. Pesticides kill insects and herbicides kill weeds and golf courses are places where a lot of herbicides are sprayed. The herbicide that is most used these days is Roundup, which has yeah. the great ability to stay put. So if yeah. you're not eating the lawn of the golf course, you're not getting any Roundup. Well, I know you have to go, but is it your feeling that if a, if a plant shows up to you, it's speaking to you, and I should probably investigate more uh, what it might be we could be friends about? Or I absolutely agree that that it would be wonderful to be friends with that plant. It's a glorious plant. You will really enjoy yourself. Do, have you used it in the last year? I occasionally put evening primrose flowers in my salad. That's it? Okay. All right. Green blessing, good night. Green blessing, good night. And good night. You're welcome. And we welcome Eliza Factor, the author of the acclaimed novels, The Mercury Fountain and Love Maps. Eliza and her husband have three children, the eldest of whom is multiply disabled. She is the founder and the president of the board of Extreme Kids and Crew, a nonprofit community center that connects families who have children with disabilities. How are they connected through arts, music, and play? She lives in Brooklyn, and she was named New Yorker of the Week for creating the city's first drop-in sensory play space for children with disabilities. Welcome to the show, Eliza. Thank you so much for having me. I hear that you wrote a new book called Strange Beauty. Uh, Yes, I did. It came out last year, and it's all about, um, well, it's all about Felix, my oldest, and what he's taught me. And 
did you sit down and plan to write a book? Yes, I surely did. I, um, as as you know, Felix um, has multiple disabilities, and he he doesn't speak. Um, he he understands language, um, I think, quite well, but I don't think he's interested in it, um, and so he doesn't really communicate with it, and um, and so I learned so much about the kind of deeper sort of communication with him um when he went i i just always wanted to investigate that um and uh and when he was ten, he moved to this really wonderful residential school, so I had a little bit more time to write and and kind of investigate uh all of these things that had happened between us um since the moment he was born and 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 i mean and continue to it's just he's not living at home now. Um, but he, he's a he's a really charismatic and interesting person, and he made me re-see the world, and I wanted to get that across. Amazing, the the children uh, who we might call strange beauties certainly have a lot to give us, don't they? Yeah, yeah, so much, so much. Um, what yeah. what would you like to share with us? Well. <laughs> I mean, I I um I could go in a million different directions. Um I guess one of the reasons I wrote the book is because of Felix we started this program called Extreme Kids and Crew, um which has just been like one of the most joyful experiences of my life. It's um a community center that brings together families with kids with any sort of disability through the arts and play. And basically what it means is that we have, at this point we have two um, sensory play centers where you know people can come in and play, it's free, um, and do art projects together and music together and stuff like that. Um, and it's, it's for everybody in the family. It's not just for the kids with disabilities, but their sisters and brothers, their aunts and uncles, their grandparents, I mean, their friends. Um, and so we create this very uh, exuberant, safe space where you realize that you're not alone. Um, and it's it's just it's it's, it's opened my um, awareness to so many other different children and different families and different ways of being. And I wanted to share my experience of starting it and um, and just kind of share like how we did it with other parents. Um, because I highly recommend starting something like this if you happen to be um, in a community that doesn't have, like, a, a great arts-based um, community center for people with disabilities. So I wanted, I wanted to get that across and, and just um, – that. but the other thing that's kind of interesting and kind of the flip side of that is in – Talking to the press and talking to other families um, with kids with disabilities and trying to you know raise money for extreme kids, we really focus on the positive aspects of disability. How disability allows you to you know use other senses, other ways of being. You learn new things. Like you know, it's a disability. We we call people. With you know, I mean, I, I truly believe that we're all disabled because we all have things that we really can't do, and then we all have di- these different abilities. And kind of dividing us between the so-called abled and the so-called disabled 
doesn't really make sense to me. Um, but that's what we do. And, um, and so as an advocate, I really focus on how these disabilities can help us as a society grow and learn things and, and get out of our own boxes. And in, in, in speaking so much about all of this positive stuff, which is very positive, I, I, I didn't ever really have a chance to talk about how incredibly hard um, raising Felix could be and how hard his life could sometimes be for him and how painful. And I mean, like just the dark stuff was very uh, powerful in our house. And, and so I kind of wanted to write a book that would, you know, really go into both the light and the dark so that I didn't, you know, feel like I was just whisking huge swaths of experience under the rug. Um, and I, I do think that the, the kind of loneliness that comes from, you know, raising kids or being, you know, like or just having a family member or a husband or what, whatever it is who ha- is dealing with major mental unrest um, is exhausting and uh and you can feel so alone, and so I wanted to write a a book that, you know, reminds us that we're there's tons of people like us everywhere going through these things, and we just don't have a place to talk about it. I think that is so important, and I want to thank you for being here and sharing this with us, and for being so honest that we can, um, you know, really find the the best of any situation. And that doesn't mean that there aren't sometimes when it just seems like we can't go on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think honestly, those things that are that hard, usually, you know, if you get through them, the, the, the light that comes is pretty amazing, but the darkness is really hard. So, you know, it, it's just not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy. And for an extreme kid, um, it's going to be like that their whole life. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's going it, it to go not away. Ever, it's not going to go away, and it's not ever going to be easier. In fact, yeah. it only gets harder as they mature. Yeah. Well, I mean, people have really different experiences, um, but the, certainly the the system, like the the help out there, and the um, really dwindles as people get older. So you know, systematically, uh, it definitely gets harder. People are also predisposed to give children and young people more slack in their behavior. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And that's partly it's what not, I mean. That for, as, for you get older, <laughs> as you get older, your culture is more demanding. Yes, that's so true. That is so true. I know I, I actually started Extreme Kids in part because of that, because I, I mean, we we are very lucky. Our family has a lot of resources, and it's just a strong family. There's a lot of love, and I mean, you know, we had the difficulties with Felix is like we just didn't sleep for ten years, but but there was so much structural support that, um, you know, I felt I felt like we actually were getting enough support, um, but. I knew. I mean, I I didn't. I used to be a waitress for like twelve years and was very aware of how little support I would have gotten if I still had that job. And um, 
and I, I had lots of friends who were like single parents and stuff, and and uh, uh, they were in a similar situation as me. So one of the reasons I started Extreme Kids is I wanted a place where like every you know like you didn't have to have health insurance or, uh, you know, mm. a big job and stuff like that to be able to come. But I also wanted it to be for parents. Because, I mean, like you know, for the parents to come because there were, were a lot of programs where you could kind of drop off a kid for like, you know, for therapy or something. But the parents were just waiting out in the lobby, you know, with their cell phones, worrying about insurance and the next schedule, you know, like the next thing they were going to. Like the kids were having I mean, therapy for, for young kids, um, like like with autism is often really, really um, enjoyable. Not always, but, I mean, it can be really fun. It's like, you know, swinging and hanging out in the ball pit and, and being with someone who's, really paying attention to you so like the the kids were getting this really you know this, this break and the parents were out you know just you know being separated from seeing their kids having a good time and um just you know not really getting much of a break at all um, and, and the so, parents and the par- the parents need art therapy too i exactly so i mean so yeah so what we do at extreme kids I mean, really is about getting parents to like i'm mean, like a lot of these kids really don't want to do art but I'm like make the parents do art and then you know and the kids kind of run around and play like you know like we don't care if the kid makes a play bust I mean like they can you know be they can as long as they're having fun and they're being having being safe they're socializing and the, and the parents can actually get their hands wet and and do something um other than just fret about their children for a minute um one one of my favorite silly ads shows a teenager and it said does your teenager know the early warning signs of art? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm a I'm a very strong believer in um, the, the in in the art and and uh, movement and stuff. You know, should be practiced throughout your life. So, in writing this book, you have shared with us your ups, your downs, and the ins and outs of actually uh, doing things. Did you know as soon as Felix was born that something was going on? Did the doctor tell you? Um, not Well, we didn't really know. I mean, what happened is that he, I, had, I had a very healthy, normal pregnancy until um, I got the chicken pox in my second trimester. And then, um, and I had a terrible, I mean, I was an adult with a chicken pox. It was horrible. Um, I felt, I mean, I, I couldn't move. I was, I had a fever of 105. Um, Felix stopped moving in the womb. And, and it was just a few days where I didn't know if either of us were going to emerge alive. It was, it was a, it was a terrible, terrible illness. Um, and then when, I started to recover. He did too, um, and I could feel, you know, and it was such a relief to feel him moving. But his movements were swishier. I wrote this poem about like how he seemed like he was a squid. He had these squid-like movements, whereas before he'd been more um, like a little tap dancer. And so I had, you know, I had a. There was definitely. I mean, when I look back at that poem, and and then I, I had this floppy baby, I was like, oh my god, I totally knew, um, on one level. 
but there wasn't, you know, the, the, the doctors can't tell you with 100% certainty about any of these things. They were worried because my amniotic fluid went, um, got much lower after that, and then uh, he, he had some, he had uh, the, his brain ventricles were slightly asymmetrical. There were all of these irregularities um, with my pregnancy after that. I was on bed rest, and um, and he came early. And, you know, so there, and it, it sounds like multiple sonograms were being done. Oh, there were just tons of different things because there were, there were so many irregularities. But he was, we, you know, we could hear his heartbeat, and I felt him. Like, I had a very strong sense of him as a person and that he had this very sweet warm character and um you know so i i didn't want to have enough i mean like you know like people said you know could, you could terminate the pregnancy um like i you know like a week after the first really weird sonogram but there wasn't any there wasn't any like hard evidence of how disabled he would be um there was just speculation and and I couldn't terminate with that um and I'm so glad I didn't i mean i i I love feeling so much, but I don't know you know what I would have like at that point i was i I didn't know anything about disability i mean I think I would have thought if I had known uh, how disabled felix would be i don't I don't know if I would have been able to carry through with it because i I think I would have thought his life would be horrible. Um, but, you know, it hasn't been at all. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. So it was it was after you brought Felix home that you began to notice. Yeah, and we didn't, I mean, like, in the beginning, we were so worried that he was going to be, like, something was going to be really wrong because of all of this anxiety um, in the end of my pregnancy. But when he was, and, and it was a terrible birth, too. I mean, like, really. <laughs> So much went wrong. Um, I mean, he was, he was totally floppy and purple when he was, you know, like it was awful when he was, I mean, like I, I was dying. I mean, it was, it was terrible. But by the time I got down to the NICU, he was absolutely this gorgeous, beautiful baby. And he got like an eight on his APGAR score or whatever that was. So, like, he, it seemed like he was going to be okay. And, and he certainly, um, compared to a lot of other little babies in the NICU, the nurses and stuff were like not, you know, like, overly concerned about him so so I and he was my first so I just kind of figured oh he's a preemie he's going to be a little floppy and how early was he he was um like six weeks early he wasn't that early and um and 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 but but yeah by by around four or five months his floppiness instead of kind of just resolving itself he he was getting a little bit floppier as he got bigger. He couldn't hold up his head or his neck and stuff like that. And so so then we started, you know, the, then we went through this long um, ordeal really of uh, trying to figure out, trying to to get a, a diagnosis so we could get services. And we and it ended up we ended up getting a brain MRI that showed that his white matter in his brain had been um, damaged, and that's something that. Is associated with the chickenpox, so it probably was the chickenpox um, all along that, uh, that that altered his life that way. It, there is uh, it prob- was probably further damage done by the um, increasing number of sonograms, however. 
There, I'm sure there was probably there was all kinds. Of I mean, stuff so, sonograms on. are kind of passed off as benign and harmless, but we know that they can actually that they are indeed sound waves, and in vulnerable children's brains, they can actually do some damage. Yeah, and and unfortunately, what happens is that that when the 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 pregnancy is high risk, and more and more and more sonograms are done. Yeah, what we are so happy to hear that um, that Felix has not had a terrible life or a miserable life, although he's had some bad days as we all do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If people, if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to know more about your novels, the uh, Mercury Fountain or Love Maps, or about your non-fiction book, Strange Beauty, or about um, setting up the kind of space that you set up, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? Um, well, they can um, just go to my website, which is elizafactor.net, and you can contact me through there. Um, and also the name and that's of e, that's E L I Z A F A C T O R Eliza Factor Eliza Factor dot uh, net and yeah that's got links to everything and but it, the the organization um, also is Extreme Kids and Crew dot org Extreme Kids and Crew dot org Yeah. Felix Felix has um younger siblings, two younger sisters. Yep. How does that work out? Um uh loudly. <laughs> um it 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 works out great actually. Um they're, they they uh it's it's interesting, you know, when I when I only had Felix who was so disabled, I was kind of uh, you know, I I want I was a little jealous I guess of of like all these my friends who had um you know whose kids fit in more because I just thought that it would be so much easier <laughs> and, and in some ways of course it is but it's interesting when you have both you really that that illusion just kind of crumbles <laughs> you know they're all kids <laughs> and, and you know and there's you know lose sleep over all of them yeah exactly <laughs> they just do it in different ways <laughs> right um, and then it's also, you know, it's it's fun for me because I get to hang out in two radically different worlds. And I, I really, I really love the disability world. It's a very open, friendly one with a great sense of humor, and, and just tends to be more down to earth than the neurotypical world, as we say. Um, so, I mean, through my daughters, yes, I'm in the neurotypical world, and through Felix, I get to hang out with people with disabilities, and and so that I I love. Um, and and the kids all, you know, they 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 value each other. So Felix doesn't live with you now. He doesn't. Um, we live. I mean, we kind of have a dual existence in New York City and in New Hampshire because that's where his school is. We. I mean, because I'm a writer, I can. I have a pretty mobile life, and so I spend the summer up in New Hampshire with the girls and Felix, and we have this really wonderful setup where we can go swimming in this great lake and go to the town for ice cream. And, we, you know, we just see each other a lot in a really lovely way. Um, and we, you know, we spend all our school breaks and three-day weekends and stuff up, up there with him. 
Um, so our family time's like all in New Hampshire, and then is New it, York is. is his, does he does he remember you? Oh, good lord! Yes, yes, yes. No, he's he's very um, he's non. He, he doesn't use language, but I mean, I think when I got on to when I came onto your program, I was hearing you say something about follow this plant that's trying to get your attention. So I, I, I figure you understand that there's all kinds of ways of communicating without, exactly. um, without language. And, and, and some of it's, I mean, I feel stronger um, than the language. I mean, language is so easy to get confused in and um, even make, you know, untruths in whereas the language of the body is very honest usually um but yeah no felix felix is um he has very close and intimate and wonderful relationships with a whole lot of people um he's really he's got a great sense of people too like he'll just you know somebody will walk in the room and if most of the time he doesn't you know, pay any attention, but if he does, that person is always amazing. I mean, he he's brought the most the greatest people into our lives just by noticing them, and 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 you know, you can also just tell a lot about people in the way they react to Felix. You know, like if they're if the, if they are not afraid of Felix, they they tend to be. Um, pretty grounded people, pretty, you know, the kind of people that you want to be with. Um, but, you know, he does freak out a lot of others. I'm sure there's some people who are perhaps wondering about your decision to put Felix in a residential center and not to care for him in your home. Um, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I wrote a lot about that in the book. It was a heart... It was, you know, it was obviously a very difficult decision um, that came about through, you know, there are a lot of different reasons for it. I mean, first of all, just because we finally found a school that could actually help him, and he's, I mean, thank God he has, he's, he just blossomed there. So, I mean, we do, I do have a feeling of immense gratitude for having such clear signs that it was the right thing to do. Um, but, you know, the. The reasons why we were looking, I mean, because there wasn't a school in New York that could help him, um, is that we were, our family was really close to, like, the breaking point. I mean, uh, Jason and I hadn't had more than two or three, I mean, maybe four hours of sleep in about ten years. And, I mean, per day, obviously. <laughs> but you know, like, but, you know, like there'd be a lot of nights with no sleep, and you know, or else, you know, like, but you know, like we'd get. Was that, be, was that because was that because Felix would wake you up more often than other children? Yeah, he just doesn't really sleep um, very much. He doesn't need that much sleep, and he and he could be very loud. But so so we were exhausted. Um, just from 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 that, but but the he was after he was five, he um, he developed this very um, kind of cyclical um, periods of of intense fury, um, and they were very very violent furies, and um, and he was I mean physically he couldn't really hurt other people, 
but he really, really was hurting because himself. Of his, because and, of his sloppiness. Well, he wasn't, I mean, he was floppy when he was a baby. As he got older, he got pretty strong. He could walk around on a on a walker. He could hold himself. I mean, he got very strong arms, very strong arms. Um, and, you know, and he could move by, like, kind of bunny hopping around. But, but he would he would just really hurt himself. I mean, like, and, and, hmm. and I mean, like, it, it, the level of violence was... Um, uh, you know, as violent as violence gets, um, and so you know, a lot of our life was just restraining him, which mm. is a terrible thing to be doing all the time um, mm. to anybody. Mm. But it, but you know, in restraining somebody, it's you know, you're trying not to hurt them, but they're hurting you, and sometimes they get away and hurt themselves, and it's it's basically just like being you know, in a really intense, violent struggle, um, you know, for, you know, multiple times a day. Um, and it was... That, that sounds that sounds more exhausting than the lack of sleep. Yeah, it is. It is. But the two together yeah. were hard. And, like, you know, to be in that situation, particularly if you only had, like, two hours of sleep the night before... I started to get a, a frightened that I was going to lose it and, you know, hurt him myself. You know, like it, it was, it was just, it was just horrible. Um, and that, so obviously I didn't want that to happen. Um, but yeah, but violence is, is nuts. Um, and it's very, you know, like I've studied nonviolence and I've uh, studied martial art, you know, like I've, I've, I'm really interested in violence. Um, but it got to a point where it was too much for me. Yeah. I really hear you. And, and and only someone who has been in that situation can truly understand what you mean by too much. Because yeah. it's a lot more than one can even put into words. As you say, the communication is nonverbal. And the nonverbal communication of that level of violence Take something to recover from. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed talking to you, Eliza, but our time has come to an end. So, once again, uh, we're going to tell people that you are E L I Z A F A C T O R, Eliza Factor. You can uh, find her. Uh, and all the usual places, <laughs> and her newest book is Strange Beauty, but she also wrote The Mercury Fountain and Love Maps, and you got about 10 seconds. What do you want to leave the people with? Uh, just because that was so dark where we just were, I want to let them know that Felix is doing really well now, and a, a lot of that violence, I think, came from frustration of not having enough help, and he finally does, so um, he's in a better spot. <laughs> oh. That is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Eliza Factor, for all that you were doing for Felix and for all of us. Thank you for helping us reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Justine. Green blessings to everybody. Remember, herbal medicine is people's medicine. It's the medicine that's right outside your door. Good night. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Bye-bye. Green blessings.